You are Locked On Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined by Harrison Fagan, and I'm also joined by Trevor Lane of the Lakers Nation podcast of LakersNation.com. He is a colleague of Harrison's. We do this once a month where we do this crossover show. So I want you guys, if you're listening, when you're listening to this right now, part one of this conversation was is on the Lakers Nation podcast. Go, so go make sure that you find that and, and go ahead and give him a subscription and, and rate and review his podcast and all those good things. Uh, but we talked about Isaiah Thomas's debut. We talked about his role, and we talked about whether his future potentially with the Lakers. It was a really fun conversation, and we also talked about Julius Randle and his future with the Lakers, what it means for everybody involved that he wasn't moved on trade deadline day. So it was a really fun conversation there. We're going to keep the fun rolling here in a bit. We're going to talk about the Isaiah Thomas trade on a more macro level. Uh, I thought about something tonight that I haven't really seen very much of uh, to this point in terms of analysis of the trade. Uh, so we're going to go over that kooky theory. I know everybody loves those. Uh, and then we're going to. Is it how it relates back to D'Angelo Russell? I'll, I'll find a way. I'll find a I'm way. I'm sure to it's with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll figure out a way to, to make that work. Uh, and, and we're also going to talk about whether the Lakers are capable of a playoff push. There was some. With the way the Lakers played when they had won 14 of 16, there was some, you know, some, some rambling. There were some, some rumbles about a potential playoff push. We're going to talk about their chances of that. So plenty of stuff to get to. Before we do, make sure you guys are following the show on Megaphone slash Panoply, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Today's Fast Break, Spotify, Alexa, Lakers Nation, where Harrison and Trevor write, Lakers Outsiders, where I write. I am at Anthony Irwin LA on Twitter. Harrison is at... H.M. Fagan, and Trevor, you are at Trevor underscore Lane, right? Yep, that's it. All right, so let's go ahead and get to this. Trevor, how are you holding up? Because we were talking about this before we went on the air, and I feel like the consensus is that we're kind of tired. Absolutely, man. I'm exhausted. Just the trade deadline week is always tiring, but then with the Lakers making that, that big move, it felt like, like we were right there at the end of the, you know, the light was at the end of the tunnel. We were right there at the finish line, and then suddenly they did something, and so it was like you got that jolt of adrenaline, and we had to, we had to put out a ton of content and do all these different things, go on all these different shows, and so now this weekend kind of offered an opportunity to kind of come down off all of that, but it's now when it really hits you, like how tired you are after a long trade deadline week. Harrison, you you described yourself as a bone dry sponge. Do you want to come up with a better analogy, or are you good with that? I'm just tired, man. You know, like people don't understand how hard it is to sit at your computer and sometimes talk to your friends about basketball. <laughs> um, it's just, I'd compare it, you know, I'd compare it to a coal mine, but that would make it sound easier than it is. And so it, it's just, it, it's really difficult blogging sometimes. It just takes a lot out of you. Like the other day, I, uh, I, I had to do a radio hit from like while I was like out with, uh, with, my girlfriend and she was not like happy with me and so you know it just really takes its toll on you 
I forgot that Valentine's Day was coming up because of last week. Like Jen was saying, no, I, hey. See, I, I thought ahead. I planned for that weeks ago. See, like Jen, Man. I can't believe you planned for it weeks ago, seeing as we thought for sure you were going to die alone. But, oh, well. <laughs> that was fair. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it, it's, it's, been a, it's been a long week. Let's keep it rolling, though. Let's talk about this Isaiah Thomas trade. I'm going to give you guys a theory or, or, or a thought that crossed my mind. Uh, tonight that I haven't really seen very much of, and it was it had a lot to do with the fact that the Celtics got their butts kicked by the Cleveland Cavaliers with help from especially Jordan Clarkson. I thought he played really well, and and Larry Nance did the typical Larry Nance things. Uh, but the theory that kind of or the thought that kind of crossed my mind was everybody is focusing and and rightfully so on how the Cleveland Cavaliers gave the Lakers. The needed cap space to uh, to be able to sit down and talk to LeBron and tell him, "All right, you have we have enough room to give you a full max, and you can take your pick of the superstar that we pursue with the with the second max space, right?" And so everybody's thinking, like, "Wow, the, the, the Cavs just just ordered the Uber so that their girlfriend could go on a date with <laughs> with the guy that she's seeing, right?" Um, but I, I I was watching the game today, and the other the other the other side of that coin is wait, what if Clarkson plays a pivotal role in a playoff game that spurs a legitimate title contention? Because I I would say I would argue that the the Cavs, as they were previously assembled, were not going to make the finals. I thought they were going to lose to Boston, but now we see. George Hill is is better than Isaiah Thomas. Jordan Clarkson is is also better than Isaiah Thomas and and better than Derrick Rose. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. is probably as good or will do the kinds of things that Jay Crowder was was not doing particularly well. Uh, And and you just go down the line of the guys that they... the, The Cavs are objectively better now than they were before. And if that improvement helps them more seriously contend for a title and that kind of helps LeBron stick around not just because of this season but because their future is brighter didn't the Lakers kind of sort of just do what everybody thought that the Cleveland that the, 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 the Cavs did for for the Lakers Trevor yeah I mean you know I think about this and I think it, it kind of reminds me of the whole Paul George for Victor Oladipo and Domitas Sabonis trade where everybody thought okay the the Pacers just got destroyed in that trade and then it turned out that the the common thought or common way of thinking it isn't really all that accurate because as it turns out, Victor Oladipo is, is better at basketball than he was when he was with Oklahoma City. So the initial reaction was, yeah, the Cavs just gave the Lakers all the ammo they need to go get LeBron. But, I mean, you bring up a good point. What if the Lakers just gave the Cavs the ammo they need to keep LeBron, which, of course, is the, the risk that they were taking? I mean, Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. on their own aren't necessarily the type of, of basketball players that are going to put a team over the top or anything. But as far as role players alongside a superstar, I think they're going to look pretty good next to LeBron James and, of course, Rodney Hood as well and, and George Hill. These are pieces that are going to increase the likelihood of the Cavs making a, a strong push. And so, yeah, maybe it does turn out, turn out that uh, this comes back to bite them. But overall, still, I mean... One, I'm not. I don't want to overreact to one game. That was an impressive game from the Cavaliers, but I want to see them do this over a, a period of time before I say that you know these moves have just solved all of their problems. 
I, you know, I want to just take a second here to commend you guys for taking seriously the premise of Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. convincing LeBron James to stay in Cleveland. And, I, you know, like, I, I think... The, so, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, some, some of the some of the points that you guys made, I think, are genuine ones. Like both of these teams are taking a risk here, and like in some ways, they're both kind of playing Russian roulette a little bit. Like they just like they each like put one bullet in the revolver, spun it, and then handed them to each other. And like they both could analogy. end up. Huh? I said that's a good analogy. I, th- I was yeah, I mean, point. they both could end up having this backfire. But I, I thought, like, I was listening to the low post over the weekend, and I thought Brian Windhorst, well, he, he, he was talking about, like, the Cavs mentality behind the trade. And their thought process was basically, like, if the Lakers want to clear this space, even if they have to pay a little bit more, they're going to be able to clear this space. And I, I think that kind of – that's kind of where I'm at. That yes, this was this was obviously the best way that they could have cleared that space. You know, we talked about this all last week. We talked about this on Trevor's pod. Like, I'd give them an A on paper for the trade deadline. We have to see how it works out, but like, so process wise, it was pretty flawless in terms of what they did, and they did a really good job. But I think like they could have cleared Clarkson off if they needed to in another way. Maybe they would have had to attach a future first, you know. But they could have done it. And if they needed to get the space to go get LeBron and Paul George. And so I think that that, you know, like they could have cleared the space either way. And so I can't really fault the Cavs for making the move that they did. But at the same time, I don't think that the Lakers necessarily trading Clarkson Nance to get a first is going to be what ends up convincing LeBron to stay in Cleveland, no matter how well those guys play down the stretch. I just don't think that they're good enough to get the Cavs to that level where he's like, yes, I have this young core I need to stay with. I'll ask it. I'll ask it this way because you're right. If we frame it as Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. are going to be the reasons that LeBron sticks around in Cleveland. Yes. It's an asinine premise, but what do you think it's going to take for LeBron to stick around? Like what? What do you think it's 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 based on success this year? Do you think it's based Dan on... Gilbert selling the team to him? <laughs> 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 All right, I'm fine with that. LeBron gets to be his own boss. Uh, but let's say let's say the Cavs mess around and win a title this year. Do you think LeBron leaves at that point? I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's tough to say. Is he looking at it as? okay, mission accomplished, I brought Cleveland a title, and now I can go do what I want? Or would it be more of a, a reaction where he says, okay, we won a title, now we have to defend it, and so this makes it more likely to, to stay? I don't know. It's it's hard to say really which uh, which way he would lean. Through most of the season, I've kind of felt like he's he's probably gone, especially with the way things have been, been going this season. But then, I mean, watching the way they played today, he sure looked like he was having a lot of fun. So if that keeps up, if he continues to have that level of fun and the team's playing that well and, and the new pieces fit, then, I mean, all bets are off. Yeah, LeBron in that game today was like, it, it was almost, it seemed genuine, but it almost came off as like fake happy just to subtweet, just to like visually <laughs> subtweet Isaiah Thomas. Like he was... Like they, they maybe they need to do like random drug test on LeBron after that game. Like he was happier than I have ever seen anyone playing basketball. You you know what I really think it was. What it reminded me of. You can always tell when people go through a breakup because they start posting selfies of themselves in really cool places and interesting places, right? Just to show the other person, haha, take this, loser. <laughs> you know, it felt like Kyrie was sitting there on Facebook on the other bench. 
And LeBron was making sure to just show himself, like, look how much fun I'm having with Jordan Clarkson, dude. He does this cool thing when he makes threes and he points at his arm and he sticks out his tongue. Look how awesome this guy is, right? And and Kyrie's like, yeah, but he's still Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, LeBron's married. I was gonna say otherwise. Like maybe there, maybe Jordan Clarkson like showed him like how to use the DM function oh, on Instagram. <laughs> and, like, LeBron had just never realized that before. But I mean, I don't want to. Oh, I would love to have been there for that conversation. Next, the next, the next question I have because I, I think I think it's something to keep an eye on. I think it's something to just kind of watch and monitor if the Cavs really do turn things around and this is seen as the launching point from from which the Cavs go on and, and either seriously contend for a title let alone win one then I don't think it's obviously it's not this Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. trade but it's the it's that plus the George Hill trade plus the Rodney Hill or Rodney Hood trade and if this team and, and the Cleveland Cavaliers are objectively better now than they were when they woke up Thursday morning um that's that's just something to keep an eye on. My next question is kind of kind of linked, not really, but kind of linked. Trevor, do you think the Lakers? So they got that they they got that first round pick, mm-hmm. and that in and of itself is is a win. Like that makes the trade a win. Is that they got the most valuable asset in the trade, and did so by <clears throat> by quite a margin, right? This this first round pick enables them to do all kinds of things with it. Do you think it's more likely they use it on a player? Or do you think it's more likely they use it in some kind of trade or, or as something else other than just drafting a player this this uh, summer? I mean, at this point, given the success they've had late in the first round, I mean, when we're looking at, at Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, I mean, Larry Nance Jr., these guys that, that they've found, I, I think they're, they would have to take a really good look at anybody that's going to be there for them. I mean, their scouting department has proven time and time again that they can find real talent, real contributors late in that first round. So, I mean, I would have to think that they're going to hang on to it unless they get a deal that really just blows them away, something that they that they can't turn down. Like, I mean, if some team says, hey, Luol Deng's not so bad, we'll take him if you give us that pick, then, then of course, you know, they're going to go and do – do something like that but uh but otherwise i have to think that for now anyway they will they'll, they're gonna hang on to it i mean they've been been really really good at, at finding guys late in the draft and you're getting guys on cheap contracts i mean josh hart and kyle kuzma are so so valuable because of where they were selected in the draft and how well they've performed on the floor that's exactly the kind of thing that a rebuilding team needs so i'd have to think that they're going to take another swing at a player Trevor, I, I agree with what you're saying, and I think that's probably what they should do. But I also, like, can you can you guys imagine if that pick ended up being what greased the wheels of some type of trade that ended up getting LeBron to come? Like, whether it was to clear dang salary, to open up extra space to be for them to be able to sign, like, you know, like three guys at close to the max, or if it was to trade for a guy, like, as part of a trade for a guy that LeBron wants to play alongside. I can't think of, like, off the top of my head who that would be. But let the that would be, like, you know, in the Russian roulette analogy, that would be the Cavs finding that bullet. I, I would say I think it all depends on the context, right? Like, if, if, if the Lakers seriously make a, a great case and, and are able to convince LeBron to come to L.A., I think that pick gets used in a trade to get LeBron more immediate help. But I think if, if they don't land him, then it would be kind of it would be kind of dumb 
to, <laughs> to then use that pick on anything other than another opportunity to find a Kyle Kuzma or a Josh Hart late in the first round. 100% agree. I, I also yeah. think, I also mm-hmm. think too what's what's kind of interesting here is they can to continue with your Russian roulette analogy Harrison they could kind of sit down in a meeting with LeBron and they can the the big knock on them in years past in these sales pitch meetings was that it was just look at LA look at these rings look at these trophies and these retired jerseys and look at our fan base right and and it wasn't necessarily about what the Lakers offer on a basketball court. And the Lakers have legitimate assets that they can put on a table in front of whomever they're talking to, right? They can say, look, Lonzo Ball, here's these metrics that show that he is, he would look great. He would play, he fits really well next to you, right? Here's Kyle Kuzma and here are these metrics and here, and, and this is what teams see him in terms of value. So if you, if you absolutely need more, <clears throat> more immediate help, Hey, look what we can look what we can do here. And this is just another chip that they can put on the table to LeBron in that meeting and they can say, "Look, we have a first rounder. Teams are regarding first round picks as actual gold nowadays because they don't want to spend on on the crazy inflated salaries that that everybody is demanding now. We can get you legitimate help." And and that would go a long way, I think, to to sway LeBron, right? Yeah, I mean, if there's something like that that's uh, available, but of course, I mean, they wouldn't be meeting with LeBron until till July, till well after the draft. So, you yeah. know, but but maybe they maybe they could pick somebody that would have value that they could then ship out or something. Or you know, I mean, heaven forbid, maybe they you know use some sort of a back channel to to get some sort <laughs> I was of conversation. Just say, we know as they're long willing. as it's not magic. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we'll we'll go ahead and move on and. Harrison, I know you are thrilled about this question. And I, Trevor, I'm sure you are too. But Harrison, I'll, I'll let you start. Do you think the Lakers can make a playoff push? Embrace debate, Anthony. I think that the <laughs> – no. Um, the Lakers are, what, they're six games back in the loss column from yes. New Orleans and the Nuggets like with 26 losses. The Blazers have 26 losses too. So that's the six, seven, eight seeds. The Lakers are six games back in the loss column from those teams. They had just won, as you pointed out before we went on the air, 14 out of 16 before they played against Dallas. And – so and you can kind of chalk that one up to like, you know, new guys still getting chemistry with each other and, the, you know, like probably just a little bit of like emotional fatigue, I'd imagine, from a stressful trade deadline, stuff like that. Like they just weren't defending at the level that we've seen them defend. And but still like six games back, that's a lot of time to make up in like the what do they have left, like 30 games. And so I to me, it's not even a question. I, I don't think they even sniff it. Yeah, I agree. I just don't think it's realistic. I mean, I'd love to say, oh yeah, they, there's still a chance, but I mean, just the, the math just doesn't really work out. And I mean, their their margin for error is just so small. But you know, I don't even know that that's the most important thing for them anyway. I think the most important thing is that they just finished strong. They finished looking good. They finished looking like a tough team, like a team that's got some young up up and coming players. Because really, more important for the Lakers than than making the playoffs this season is whether or not they're able to, to get stuff done in the offseason in the summer. So I, I have been saying this forever, but I still think that the, the most important thing for them is that they hit the offseason with momentum and they hit it as that team that is up and coming because that's going to attract a lot more positive attention from free agents than you know just making the playoffs and then 
getting destroyed in four games by the Warriors. The good news is is that now that we mention this, we can call this podcast are the Lakers a playoff team? Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> oh, man, the, the reaction to that's going to be great. I agree with with both of you. I don't think they sniff up. I don't think they come close. I, I think maybe they, they hang in there in the conversations like, hey, if a couple things go right for the Lakers and a couple things go seriously, t- terrifyingly, horribly wrong for these other teams, maybe they have a chance. But I, I, don't, I really don't think that they make up that that gap that they've made for themselves and the other thing too that you have to to talk about with this conversation is do you think the lakers are better now in terms of an on-court basketball product than they were before the trade and well trevor i'll let you answer that do you think the lakers are better are a better basketball team now than they were before they made that trade i don't know and i wish i had like a definitive answer but i think that that we won't know until we see the chemistry between Lonzo and, and Isaiah Thomas. I think that's going to be a big part of this. Um, if Isaiah Thomas is able to keep recovering and, and improve from his from his hip injury and, and all that, then the potential is there because I think Isaiah Thomas has the possibility of being a better player than um, Jordan Clarkson, although he wasn't this season. And then I think that you know Larry Nance Jr. did a lot did a lot of great things. I'm not anticipating Channing Frye being better than than him, but I feel like shifting more minutes to say Julius Randle or if Kyle Kuzma gets hot, you can make up for that as well. So I think the potential is there, but again, so much of it is going to depend on. Isaiah Thomas, his role, his his attitude, how he recovers, and and then how he ultimately fits alongside Lonzo, and we won't really know that until Lonzo's healthy. Harrison, do you think that the Lakers are better than they were before the trade, or worse, or the same? Or I think they're worse just because they had chemistry with those guys. They had a season of kind of institutional memory of playing alongside those guys, and you know, they, they I just think it would be hard for them to develop that type of chemistry with Isaiah Thomas and to a lesser degree Channing Frye, I don't think he'll play very much, but in such a quick, a short amount of time. And, you know, I do think the one thing that maybe aids that is that Isaiah Thomas really only plays one way and that's like kind of with the ball in his hands. And so at least in terms of like them recognizing where he's going to be off ball and him being a part of their sets, that I don't think that it, I don't think that it's going to hurt them offensively a ton, and honestly, they couldn't be much worse offensively. But I think defensively, even though I said on you know on Trevor's podcast on the Lakers Nation one that you know Isaiah Thomas, I wasn't sure that he was entirely to blame for their defensive struggles the other night. That being said, him just you know physically. He can't switch one through five the way that the Lakers have been trying to do. And so that disrupts the way that they've been playing defense. And how much does having to change your defensive scheme midseason end up hurting you, even if that guy is a walking bucket like he was against the Mavericks? I <clears throat> I think I, I'm, I'm willing to go so far as to say that I think the Lakers are objectively worse than they were before the trade. And it's for the chemistry stuff that you're talking about, Harrison. But I also think like Jordan Clarkson just is a better player right now than than Isaiah Thomas has been this year by a lot, right? Like, except for against the Dallas Mavericks. Except for against the yeah, but but I might all right. So I I almost got into a fight with a with a with a Celtics blogger out there in Vegas because this was when they were thinking about trading Isaiah for Kyrie and 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 that debate was going on and and I said that I would rather have Kyrie it was before, before that. I think I think it was just an Isaiah versus Kyrie debate. I think so. And I, and basically the the point that I made was that 
I at least know that Kyrie is capable of being a decent defender, right? Because athletically, he has the gifts that might make him an okay defender, maybe. Isaiah Thomas doesn't have that. You can't make that claim with him. He will never, he is not capable physically of being an even okay defender. He's always going to be atrocious. And because of that, like Clarkson is not good defensively but he's at least capable of doing it he can at least have moments where he's capable of doing it and, and he was helpful this season to the lakers yeah and and so mm-hmm. i think because of that i think that that's going to be the big channing fry and larry nance jr are kind of a wash although Tre- or trevor i think you made a really good point regarding more minutes for better players because I, I i was never really a larry nance guy so maybe more minutes for more impactful players is 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 a net positive for the lakers i hadn't really thought of it uh, that way yet I agree with that 100% yeah and so I, I think I think but but the the gap between Clarkson and Isaiah this year is is pretty substantial substantial and that's before you get to the chemistry stuff and and the reason I'm asking this question is because do you did you guys think the Lakers were capable of a playoff push before the trade Trevor I'll, I'll let you go there uh before the trade I mean I was still in the same same boat I mean I was like I was pretty much uh I mean, very, very cautiously optimistic. I just don't think it's realistic for them to, to really make that that playoff push. I don't. I guess my my thoughts on it haven't really changed since the trade. I don't feel like they've changed all that much as a team. I get what you guys are saying about chemistry, but I just think the spark that Isaiah Thomas can bring if he really steps up his level of play, you know, in a contract year, I just have this feeling that he's going to blow up a little bit down the stretch here, but. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being too optimistic about IT. But um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Harrison, would you? I mean, I, I think I know your answer to this. But the, the the Lakers weren't capable of a playoff push before, right? Anthony, I could give you like a long-winded answer on my thoughts, but I'm just gonna say no. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think they were capable of one either with the current roster, and that was when they I think were a better basketball team. And so now that they are a worse basketball team, I feel even less strong or even more strongly that they are not capable of a playoff push but you know crazier things have happened right you, you just you never quite know and like trevor is saying if isaiah turns out to be 80 percent of what he was last year because this year he's been like 30 percent of what he was in boston uh if he turns out to be 80 percent of that and he accepts a role and he and lonzo develop chemistry right away then okay maybe maybe they can stick around but but as of right now i i think it's wishful thinking on the part of of some really optimistic laker fans anything else that you guys uh anything else that you guys want to talk about the 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 lakers are um how long do you think trevor how long do you think how would you give the lakers to to actually develop this chemistry would you say it should happen within a week like when is it time that people can realistically expect some kind of gelling to take place I mean, a month, realistically, yeah. like if, if we're really looking at it, like how long is it going to take for them to, to learn all the sets and really start to, to feel like they have an understanding of where they're all going to be on the floor? I mean, we saw IT pick up a number of, of turnovers where just he, he wasn't quite sure where his teammates were going to be on the court and everything. So it's going to take time. I mean, it, it, even a month is, is probably too short, but that's I think that's reasonable to at least see them start to gel, start to click. Uh, as a unit out there on the floor so yeah i i'm gonna try to withhold judgment for for a month but in this day and age that's almost impossible (laughs) because there's gonna be hot takes all over social media after every single game 
but uh, but yeah, I, I would say give him a solid month. Harrison, would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I think I think a month sounds about right. It just it'll depend, I think, on a how much they practice and b how soon Lonzo Ball gets back into the lineup because when he gets back, then that's a whole another adjustment period to like first it's how do we adjust to playing with Isaiah Thomas, and then it's like okay, wait, how do we adjust to playing? that style with Lonzo Ball again, but also now with Isaiah Thomas. And so I think that they're, if the sooner Lonzo comes back and so that they can make both of those adjustment periods at the same time, the better for the Lakers results this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. I don't think they have a month. Like, I don't, I don't think they have that much time, especially if people are, are realistically hoping or actually hoping for a playoff push. They don't, they don't, I don't have think anybody's month. hoping for that. Oh, I don't know. I had some. I had some. I've. I've. I've already heard it in in my mentions and and stuff like that. So yeah, I've seen it as well. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Lakers podcast. Thank you very much for joining us, Trevor. And like I said at the beginning of the show, part one was a really fun conversation that I hope you guys all check out. That's a, on the Lakers Nation podcast where Trevor hosts it. They do a really good job there, not just with the podcast, but at LakersNation.com. Other than the stuff Harrison writes, we. Just, you know, I was gonna say thanks, man, but okay. <laughs> but but Trevor, thanks for thanks for hopping on with us. This was a blast. Hey, thanks for having me on. I always look forward to doing this, and uh, yeah, well, let's do it again next month. All right, everybody. Oh, Harrison, thanks for thanks for being here too. I let you in on an interview. Yeah, but you kicked me out of the Polinka one the other day. I'm still mad. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one, everybody. Yeah.